So a short reading this morning. This is the sutra on the acrobats that I alluded to. So this is the Buddha speaking, because once in the past an acrobat set up his bamboo pole and addressed his apprentice Medikatalika thus come dear Medikatalika climb the bamboo pole and stand on my shoulders so he's putting his pole on his shoulder and then the idea is this Medikatalika seems to be a little girl stands on top of the pole Having replied, yes, teacher, the apprentice, Medikatalika, climbed up the bamboo pole and stood on the teacher's shoulders. The acrobat then said to the apprentice, Medikatalika, you protect me, dear Medikatalika, and I'll protect you. Thus, guarded by one another, protected by one another, we'll display our skills, protect our feet and get down safely from the bamboo pole. So it's the impression that with this setup, he, the teacher's then going to get on another pole or walk along this pole with his little girl balanced on the pole on top of his back. So it's clear it's a double act. When this was said, the apprentice, Medikatalika, replied, that's not the way to do it, teacher. <laughs> yeah. You protect yourself, teacher, and I'll protect myself. Then each self-guarded and self-protected will display our skills, collect our fear and get down safely from the bamboo pole. That's the method there, the Blessed One says, just as the apprentice Medikatalika said to the teacher, I will protect myself, because thus should the establishments of mindfulness be practiced. I will protect others, because thus should the establishments of mindfulness be practiced, protecting oneself, one protects others. Protecting others, one protects oneself. And how is it that by protecting oneself, one protects others? By the pursuit, development and cultivation of the four establishments of mindfulness. It is in such a way that by protecting oneself, one protects others. And how is it because that by protecting others, one protects oneself? By patience, harmlessness, loving kindness and sympathy. It is in such a way that by protecting others, one protects oneself. So, imagine the situation and what it would, what you'd feel like being an acrobat on top of a bamboo pole with lots of people looking at you. Probably pretty nervous, I'd imagine. That would be a main obstacle in insecurity, self-consciousness. Uh, and what would that do? You'd probably tighten up, get agitated, probably psychologically agitated, 
tense, fearful, and physiologically stiff, unsettled. Quite an act. Both the fear of falling off and damaging your body, and also the social fear being looked at and making a mistake. So protecting oneself from that for establishments of mindfulness. powerful image uh, but it does uh, bear uh, analogy it's a good analogy because we are living on a bamboo pole it just looks more stable than it is mm. living in security uh, highly volatile situation uh, globally, politically, environmentally, socially, it's all very rocky. And then as its own body can stop functioning at any moment. And the mind can swing out of kilter, out of balance. It's only flush off, rush off into Guilt and regret, worry and doubt, anxiety, restlessness, uh, obsessive thinking, insecurity. So, and insecurity in terms of others, how other people regard one in society, in the family, of course, in a community. How we feel ourselves within a group. These are all sources of potential uncertainty <coughs> and then this self-referencing comes up how am I, am I will I be, what will I be can I make it work, what do I have to do to hold it together and everything starts to seize up, get agitated so but this example uh, the acrobat is a heightened example, actually makes it very, very uh, blunt, if you like, as to what is to be done. First of all, establish sati in the body, mindfulness body, and that leads into mindfulness of feeling. And that leads into mindfulness of citta, that which feels sensitivity of heart. And that leads into the kind of obstacles that occur and the results of correctly handling um, the other three with mindfulness. The body feeling citta, dhammas. They fit inside each other, 
And so we start with body and then body obviously feels there's many things we could pick up uh, feeling from but basically the source of feeling is either bodily or mental we see things and the mind interprets that as pleasant so there's only really two bases of pleasant and unpleasant body mind body or body and chitta body and affective mind heart sensitivity so as you and feeling is the quality that links body to chitta this is why you get that sequence that way and if you're able to fully establish mindfulness of body you get a strong handle on bodily feeling that moderates mental feeling that moderates chitta that moderates the kind of phenomena that will arise craving, aversion, fear, mistrust, so forth or joy, clarity, composure and so forth so you know that's the way it goes, that sequence you know. so you don't have to oh here's the body and then drop that and go to feeling, if you stay in the body you'll, you'll feel feeling there and you'll begin to sense how that relates to mind states by which we don't mean thinking but uh, psychologically emotional reactions, reflexes sensitivities and so forth and what occurs within the template mindfulness of body. Uh, the said body and the external aspects that which the body perceives in terms of its relationship to its environment. Yeah. So how the body tactile. It's also got a, what's called a proprioceptive sense, which means how the body senses itself in terms of space. And you feel you have enough space or it compressed, what it feels like if you're in a room full of people even if they're not physically touching you, you can feel, your body can feel more kind of restricted or you know, more comfortable depending on how that strikes you so the body senses other beings around or other things around it operates so that how it manages to walk and move through space is because it's attuned externally to the space around it it's also attuned interoceptively which means it's attuned to the internal qualities of the body degrees of flexibility, tension, ease uh, blockages, uh, imbalances heat, heated up, stagnant Uh, and it's based upon this internal qualities that emotions arise. Now you may assume the emotions arise because of topics, because, you know, he didn't turn up today, so I'm a bit disappointed. But actually what occurs is that perception 
and it should be this way, it's not that way, it enters and there's a kind of recognition of that and a certain sense of balance is disturbed. We don't feel comfortable, we don't feel balanced, things are not quite correct, things are not quite right. The result of that feeling then is experienced either bodily or mentally or both. So if it's bodily we feel a bit sort of um, um, unsettled because where's everybody gone? What's going on? There's a sense of nervousness. And psychologically that feeling, that uh, experience, displeasure runs into, not into uh, embodiment but into self. Something's going wrong, I'm not happy, he should be this, he should be that, I don't feel certain, he's let me down, I can't rely upon her, what's going on, I'm threatened, or or maybe I've done something wrong, he's ignoring me, he left me out, maybe I've done something wrong, I shouldn't be here, Uh, 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 uh. you know, this goes on. So the feeling then runs into psychological domain, and then that stirs up these disturbing emotions. Mm. So feeling, what is a feeling? What is feeling? We all experience it. When it's pleasant or agreeable, that which we would like to have more of, and that which we'd like to have less of, disagreeable. When a body experiences disagreeable feeling, what does it do? It generally gets agitated or tightens up or tries to somehow dispel that, doesn't it? We feel physical pain as the body tightens up around it to try to stop it or block it. You know, we feel nauseous, the body wants to kind of find somewhere to lie down or relax to get rid of that pain. It gets mobilized to deal with that discomfort. Pleasant. It gets mobilized to hold on to that, have more of it, go into it, saturate in it, you know. So it's these reflexes. And <laughs> they occur, which they do, you, over time you begin to recognize, though the best thing, probably, is just to stay centered, the feeling will pass. So it's the reaction to feeling is this movement. You're training self just to, okay, yeah, let's stay centered, composed, calm, and then I'll be able to operate in as clear a way as possible. Which is great if you're on top of a bamboo pole. Imperative is to stay calm, stay centered, trust that the optimal state a balance, the body is calm, then the body's energies and attention is evenly spread rather than focused on a particular painful area, it's, it's spread over the whole form. And that's what we're encouraging. Standing, walking, whole body walking, so that whatever feeling arises because of coolness on the face or twinges in the legs or something, you keep the focus wide to the whole body so that this 
running into the unpleasant feeling and fighting with it or resisting it or tightening up is not doesn't occur, then we find a sense of calm that acts as a counterbalance to the pressure and the push of circumstantial feeling. You know, it's circumstantial, it won't last, you know, something else is going to come up. So if you're getting a flap and agitated, stressed out, you're creating tension and agitation, which then you've got to deal with. Right? So maybe better is to stay steady, calm, unpleasant feeling, it will pass. And if I don't go into it, fight with it, it's minimal. It's just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, once you cultivate that, uh, then you've got some model to understand how to cultivate feeling when it goes into chitta, into mind, which it does pretty much instantaneously. It goes into the mind, it's where it's cold and politeness and agitation. Oh, I need to do this, I want to do that, I've got to run here, why should I have to do this? And um, then you get the whole, I'm supposed to be doing this walking and it's not very pleasant, perhaps I could go somewhere else and perhaps then again I'll be blamed if I'm seen disobeying the routines and <laughs> castigated as weak and flaky, so I better not do that. So social pressure builds up. Oh my goodness, you know. For our self gets in there, self and other gets in there. And then we start to get this, this kind of, um, it lasts quite a long time. <laughs> because then you can build up this sense of, uh, you know, the mental feeling and the, where the mental feeling goes to, particular places it goes to, me, who is, you know, isolated, alone, blameable, not good enough, not understood, not looked after. Then you you build up a particular kind of psychological quality called myself as a wounded experience. That, that kind of gets remembered in the citta. This is the kind of person I am. Yeah. Or I am this, or I try not to be this, but really I am, or other people see me as that. Then I start trying to do things to prove I'm not that way. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it gets very complicated, because they're trying to prove I'm not the person who I think you think I am. Actually, I don't know what you think, but... In order to make sure I've got my bases covered, I'll imagine you think badly of me, because then I'll be super careful to make sure I look good. That would be the way to do it. That's the way I protect myself. I'll be super careful to be totally punctual, polite, tidy, on time, keen, enthusiastic, everything I think people want. I'll be that. And I'll be upright, never nod, meditation, I'll be there, and so forth. So I'll be all right. Then nobody will blame me. Because I'll be fitting in. But then I'll look around and see other people doing it. I'll criticise them. 
So you, this is when the feeling runs into to self, and actually, you don't really know what other people are thinking. And even if they do, what's that going to do with you? How much of it is relevant or useful? How much of it is just insecurity? Insecurity strategy, when it goes into the mind, creates defense policy. When the sense of insecurity, disagreeable feeling, makes the mind feel unbalanced, it feels not settled, not comfortable, when that goes into self, when it travels along that particular circuit into self, there's something wrong with me in this situation. And then the options are vast (laughs) as to define what exactly it is. And then see things start to proliferate my moods, my behavior, my appearance. And, uh, yeah. and it all just come from unpleasant feeling, disagreeable feeling. But it's immediately run out into this something wrong with me, inadequate, defiled. And then the defense policy arises. And defense is based upon fear fear of the others. So imagine on top of that pole, yeah, you start to worry about what people think of you. <laughs> Probably good to uh, protect oneself by establishing mindfulness of the body, mindful of feelings, and then capture the mental feeling before it runs away into the self to bring it back into this is just a sense of unsettled, insecure okay then you're coming into your body you feel that agitation in your nerves you're tensing up just deal with it right there how do you deal with it? Well, the way of relaxing essentially is to go from a local place to the whole. So you localize your tight tension in your guts or something, widen your awareness to include your back, your head, your legs, your feet. That is what's called relaxing. When you do that, your mind will immediately follow, oh yes. But the mind doesn't do it. The body does it. And the mind picks up that quality and feels relief. Then we say, I relaxed. Well, yeah, but is your body relaxed? And that made your, took your mind out of the fearful self place into a more comfortable place and you feel, I relaxed. But the body did it. Now, of course, you can train 
and I imagine the acrobats trained that in that to perfection in order to maintain that balance. So they're aware their body externally, how they're standing, they're aware internally of the various effects of insecurity and risk. And they're dealing with it, a feeling. There's no time to let those feelings run into self. If they do, you're lost. If those feelings of insecurity run into the self, you're lost, because you can fall off that pole for sure. This is when fear takes over, and then everything's lost. So you've just got to hold it. Uh, and it's a, it's a tough test. But in a way, a tough test is perhaps the kindest test. Because we have really little choice. So how does it relate to what we're doing here? Since we're not all acrobats, well, maybe we're not, maybe we are. Walking meditation is a very effective practice, walking meditation, because every time you lift one foot off the ground, you're standing on one leg. That's a pretty risky thing to do. So you can't, you know, but you do it pretty much, or the body does it. So effectively, so competently, 99% of the time anyway, as long as you're in your body, the body operates it, and uh, it knows balance. It knows exactly how to balance. It knows how to do that standing on one leg thing properly while you're moving another leg through the air without toppling over. It's got an, an acute sense of how it operates in balance way. And it's kind of, hmm. And when it does so, it's quite comfortable. It can manage the movement of instability constantly going instable in a very comfortable way because it is assured in terms of its internal balance. Even though the limbs are moving, the bodily sense is steady and unhurried and uncompressed. So it manages movement with stillness. It's still internally, attentive, movement is happening. And that's the balance of the acrobat. So when you cultivate walking meditation, it takes takes very little effort actually, because the body does it. But important not to walk as if your mind is telling you to walk. I mean, obviously you set up, you can walk up and down, you can walk in a circle, you could even go on a kind of relatively extended tour. (laughs) People do a number of things. Main thing is staying in in the body and meeting what arises, not running out of the body. So generally we use a simple path because then you don't get 
you know, intermental, where do I go, what do I do, what's happening here, look at this, look at that, look at the other, but whatever, keeping the those senses restrained and feeling, body moving through space, body operating. Yeah. I think it's a, a great shame that uh, there are schools of meditation that teach Mindfulness of walking as if you're focusing on sensations in your feet, just that. But the feet don't walk. There's no reference in the suttas to that. The feet cannot walk. Where does walking begin? It begins in the lower back, doesn't it? Where the hip gets lifted. And it's to do with the waist, how the pelvis swings. So that lifting and movement in the pelvis, that's the main piece of walking. You stand there and tell your feet to walk, they can't do anything unless you lift. And you don't lift with your foot, you lift with your hip. You turn, turning in the waist. And as that turning occurs, flexion in your waist then the shoulders you know, act as a counterbalance the upper body acts as a counterbalance to the forward movement of the right leg see and the leg is still quite light it's just lifted forward from the hip as it comes down then, as it descends, you can feel the foot coming in to, to receive the pressure of the body coming onto it. And then the leg firms up. I'm saying it's very slowly, it's not actually that slow. So it's really a whole body synchronization. And that's the beauty of it, because in that whole body, you sense in the body's cohesiveness it's operating as a single unit, a cohesive quality. And that cohesive quality means the mind's got somewhere to go into. Rather than trying to focus on a particular point, it's got to keep holding itself onto. No, you've created an agreeable, fluid, cohesive experience that your attention can dwell in and explore. You can move around in that. You can explore within that. Qualities of feeling. Before it runs into, oh, it's cold, how long do I have to do this for? Half an hour, an hour, 40 minutes, 20 minutes, 10 minutes, how fast, how slow, which direction? Am I doing it right? What's he doing? What's she doing? She's not doing it very well. Stuff. You know. You know, or getting stiff and mechanical. You know, just mechanically walking. Like some kind of robot. <laughs> Out of a sense of duty, you know, head tipped over. Striding up and down like a soldier. Why do you have to look at the ground? The Buddha doesn't say that. He you can turn your eyes down. 
or just even soften the focus. But don't, if you tip your head over, your neck's going to get stiff, isn't it? And you lose the sense of the axis of the body, this lovely upright quality that comes from the crown of the head down through the pelvis into the ground. When you come into that upright axis, you come in from standing, right? that upright axis, <laughs> the body energy is drawn into a very firm, but not pressurized quality. The whole body is now united around a cohesive internal core. Right? And you can stand in that and relax around that. And that core will, will hold it. That's the body's core presence. Keeps it intact as a unity. So you're going to keep that as you're walking along. Not bowing your head, not tipping forward. Upright. You ever seen, um, you know, people, seen, um, you know, particularly women in, in India or in Africa carrying these big vases of water on their head? Or even I've seen laundry baskets walking along perfectly upright and just talking to each other, having a conversation and not dropping anything. You know, totally poised because the upright body holds balance perfectly. And there's something, when it's in balance, then the body flows along without being collected. So, so even though the legs are moving, you're not energy is not running out the legs are kind of extending from that central core and you just carry that upright axis along if you're not a, an acrobat or you haven't carried laundry baskets on your head imagine you're a waiter in a restaurant you know, with a whole plate of trays and you walk along you're aware of the crowds around you you're aware of people chatting you know, arguing, drinking their whatever they drink, and you're not getting caught, you've got to carry those plates and get comfortable in that. You can get comfortable in it. So that quality of comfort, bodily comfort, creates settledness. Settledness means the jitta feels comfortable. Then it doesn't run off into what am I supposed to be doing? How long is this going for? I don't want to. It doesn't run off into self, into the self programs, the measurements, the self referencing, yeah. and the critiquing, and the comparing, and the future and the past, and all that. It doesn't do that because it's held. Yeah. Or if it does, breaks out, then we recognize, oh, this sense of you know, thinking about where I'm going at the end of the year. What's that? That's, oh yeah, that's an energy, restless energy. Restlessness. You start to experience, look into the dhammas, the phenomena that are being generated. Yeah, from the chitta losing mindfulness. Starts to ramble off. Yeah, and it creates agreeable feeling somewhere, or disagreeable feeling.
it rambles off into self. And that rambling off into self is such a a common uh, phenomenon that we imagine there is a self because the the chitta creates it so many times that we imagine there is one. That will continue into the future and people have opinions about and I have opinions about and wish it was another way. What are you doing? (laughs) Is there any safety in that? Is there any security in that? Is there any comfort in that? Is there any any furtherance in that? Isn't it just like a dead-end street? Is Is it necessary? Uh, as a place that the chitta runs to and keep rather than something you can okay I my name is this I'll do that it's my turn there's a kind of there's a compulsive reaction of insecurity or restlessness or doubt or craving or aversion that's a steady sense of Okay, situations, my turn to do this. Right, that's all. Okay, I'll do that. It's not, it's a, coming from a, a more collected and discerning place than just the racing of energy into these neuroses. And once it gets into that, how should I do, how can I do, I can't do, I should do, other people do, they think I should be, what am I going to get done by now, I should have done by now, and say, wow, it's just such a firework display that one gets dazzled by it. It's okay, that's what's happening, what's happening in the body. Body, what body? All right. (laughs) Okay, well let's just get basic feet. Hands, simple things, feet, hands, yeah, shoulders, back, let's build it up. Oh, that, yeah, and what's happening internally? Oh, well, there's really a lot of pressure in the, in the, in the chest or in the belly, or widening, softening, filling the body. Uh, so you're letting the pressure off and then returning. We might say, okay, now what is the problem? Oh, I don't, you know, something's broken down. Okay, that's life. It's insecure. That's life. We're on a bamboo pole. It's an acrobat. It's an acrobat show. They didn't tell you, but it is. <laughs> That's what it feels like. No problem. It's just like that for everybody. We're all doing acrobatics, but people, you know, we're bluffing. <laughs> you know, juggling plates, as they say. You know, 
people, family, elderly, sick, business, urgency, juggling plates. When you're juggling plates, best thing is to go into your body, stay calm, steady. Some, some will probably drop, but that's the way it goes. You can't win them all. So then, how do one protect rather than defend? Protection is based upon love, whereas defense is based upon fear. There's something beautiful here to be looked after. That's protection. There's not something dreadful out there waiting to attack me. There's something beautiful here that needs to be cared for. A different energy. The energy is running in a different direction from defence. Defence, it goes out with that anxious, blocking, hardening. Protection, it stays in, warming, carefully, steadying, protecting others protecting oneself with this quality. Patience. Non-violence. No beating up. No brutality. No cutting. No slandering. No callousness. Loving kindness instead. And sympathy. Sympathy feels like this. Sensitive, sympathetic, but sympathy means it feels like it, but I'm not adopting it. So, yeah, feels uncomfortable feels difficult, but I'm not going into being feeling uncomfortable. I can stand next to it, be with it, but not in it. And there's the balance. We're not just seizing up that unpleasant feeling, or blocking it, or accusing it, or lashing out at the source of it. We're saying, that's unpleasant, I'm not going into it. That's there. That's agreeable, but not running after it like a hungry dog. It's agreeable, but not stashing it and storing it like some frantic squirrel. It's agreeable, I'm staying here. Because, you know, there's something beautiful to be protected here, which is one's own composure. And clarity and you know, uprightness, balance. Start to run towards pleasant feeling, you lose balance. Start to cringe and resist unpleasant feeling, you lose balance, you fall off the pole. Uh, so we cultivate. So this is these qualities of heart that are mentioned, patience, non-violence, 
no violation, no criticism, kindness. It's an extending of goodwill, sympathy, acknowledgement, sensitivity, willing to say, "Uh uh-huh, it's like this, rather than it should be, it's your fault, Uh just uh unpleasant, unpleasant feeling. Not should be, shouldn't be, it's your fault, it's my fault, it's unpleasant feeling has arisen. When it arises, be very mindful because this is the one where you can immediately jump into fear, restriction, blame, accusation, and so forth. It's the protecting jitta from that. These qualities of heart become possible when we have established proper sati in the body because the body has acted as a firebreak for the reactions and stop them. Therefore the heart is no longer dragged into reactions, no longer thrown out into self and other, these imagined dualities. Instead, the quality is this. Therefore, the heart is able then to bring forth its true treasures, not its reactivity, but its responsiveness. And there's a massive distinction between reaction and response. Doesn't mean we don't respond at all. It means we don't react, but we respond. Response happens when one is balanced. And the response, true responses of the heart, clear, unfettered, uncontaminated responses, responses that are not asking even for anything in return. Yeah? Well, patience. Then things will pass, things will change. And the abiding place of patience is pretty equanimous. Non violation, non abuse. Because although it's somehow for human beings is gratification, obviously, unfortunately, regrettably, but there is gratification in hurting others. People shoot animals just for the fun of it. Something that delights in, in you know, letting off the pressure by lunging out. And the mind that's turned away from that, seeing that as the poison that ruins everything, that damages life, damages relationships, damages everything. No. Restrain. Instead, move towards goodwill. This quality, and then you can stand next to a feeling without having to go into it because the heart has its own foundation, which is one of goodwill. Although goodwill feels pleasant, its fundamental quality is not about the feeling, it's about the intentionality 
to resist aversion, to not send energy down those channels that we all have. And so after a while those aversive, blaming, accusatory, uh, vindictive, self-critical even, those channels of the energy doesn't run down, they begin to fade out, dry up. Uh, and so the released one is said to be like something's been cut off completely, it can't grow again. And cultivated that, then our time on the acrobat's pole has been spent wisely, skillfully. So let's take some time for direct practice. <laughs> 